Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Rewind, the podcast that rewatches, reviews, and reframes your perspective of the multiverse for every movie, show, and one-shot in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Tony Camarena. I'm Al Rodriguez. And I'm TK of There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Welcome, TK. Thank you for being our second ever guest. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> TK, can you, for our listeners, can you... um? Tell them about your relationship to the MCU and a little bit about your podcast as well. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I am not new to being a fan of the MCU, but I am somewhat new to the podcasting world and, and putting my feelings and thoughts out there into uh, into into the public. So that's been really fun for me. Um, my podcast is called There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And my spin is that I take the the movies up to this point, maybe I'll delve into the TV shows at some point, but I organize them by theme and I have a new guest or guests on with me each week. And we take a somewhat academic approach to discussing the movies. So in the first season that I did, I looked at identity formation. So I looked at eight of the solo movies of the MCU. And in my season two, I've been delving into the the team up movies. So, So things like collective identity, relationships, communities, and things like that. So we kind of take these overarching concepts and kind of dive into them and different guests bring in different perspectives. So it's been a lot of fun for me to look at something that I've really enjoyed as a fan for so long and really um, immerse myself in it in a new way. And and every every episode I do, I learn new things. So it's been really fun. Yeah, and it's great to listen to. I've binged it in the last two weeks. So <laughs> I highly <laughs> recommend it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and as always, listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at MCU underscore rewind and rate us on your podcast app, whichever one you have. Um, and with that, this episode is about Doctor Strange part one, uh, beginning at the start of the movie all the way to minute 34 when Steven gets accepted as a student of the Ancient One. Original air date was November 4th. 2016 and uh really quickly just want to kind of throw in a reminder of how we usually do the movies and the the spoilers and how all that works um for movies we talk about or we're okay with talking about anything for a movie where you can already purchase the movie uh in some form of physical capacity tv shows we go up to the tv shows that we've already covered on our show so uh just reminder on the spoilers because we might bring other things up And here's a quick rundown of the uh, first third of the movie, the stuff that we'll be talking about today. Caecilius steals a spell from Kamartage. The Ancient One tries to stop him, but only succeeds in killing some of his followers in the most badass way possible. Doctor Strange is in a car crash and loses the use of his hands. After wasting all of his money and being an ass pushing away all the person who cares about him, he goes on a journey to find Kamartage. But it finds him. Eventually, he's accepted to be trained as a sorcerer. All right. I got to say it was way easier writing this summary for a uh, for a movie than it is for a for a single episode of a TV show. I bet. <laughs> yeah, I mean that probably comes from we have like 93 protagonists in Agents of Shield. It's <laughs> <laughs> true that that they've all got their own like grouped storylines, just like four of them per episode. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we begin, uh, we want I want to get a temperature of the room, what our thoughts were when we initially saw Doctor Strange, and how we feel now. 
we'll rate this episode, or this episode, I'm so used to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we'll <laughs> rate this movie at the end of part three, but just your feelings about it. Um, Let's start with you, TK. What are your feelings on Doctor Strange? All right, well, I've had my own bit of a journey with this movie. I mm-hmm. did not see this movie in the theaters when it originally came out. Um, not because I wasn't interested, just I just missed it for whatever reason. Life was going on. And then the first time I watched it, uh, shortly thereafter, I was not really into it. Um, I guess I just wasn't in the right headspace. I don't know what it was. I felt a little bit like Steven's identity journey was a little uh, too similar to Tony Stark's for me in a certain way. And I, I just wasn't completely bought in. But I will say that my feelings have completely changed. And this is now uh, one of my absolute favorite origin stories of the MCU. And I have a lot of love for Doctor Strange. Oh, all right. Um, Al, how about yours? Um, You know, so when I first went to go see this movie, I was a little dreading it because it's yet another origin story movie where let's see what happens. Oh, a regular person. Then they get powers and then they don't actually become useful as a person with powers until like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Um, on the bright side, this is the last one uh, so far of what we have in the MCU. Like all the other first movies like Spider-Man, Homecoming, Black Panther, uh, Captain Marvel, they're all like really different types of uh, movies. And they're, they're not the origin story. So really a lot more looking forward to talking about those from that perspective. But anyway, back to this one. Um, uh, you know, it's it really also kind of had that height of the this style of MCU, right? Where like... Um, crazy action happens and then they throw like some one one liner jokes and that kind of stuff and that's just fun so like it it feels like an mcu movie but exactly like what tk was saying like so much of this is uh just a reminder of of iron man of tony stark himself mm-hmm. um but like as far as the movie goes i mean the visuals were kind of cool it was very different from any other type of hero at least that we've had so it was nice variety in that sense um and yeah, I mean, overall, when I first saw it, you know, I liked it. Tony, did we see it together? I can't remember. I was honestly having the same thought. I'm not sure. <laughs> Al and I, uh, until Al moved to, um, across the country, we've, I think we saw almost every Marvel movie together. Ex- oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would assume, yeah, we saw this to one together. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, my thoughts uh, reflect TKs a lot. I thought that i i knew dr strange from the comics and i liked him but he wasn't my favorite i'm very much a uh captain america um luke cage more grounded not so supernatural in my comics my everything else is very supernatural (laughs) but um i thought dr strange in this came up as tony stark without the charm (laughs) and i um i actually I did not I like I had this sinking feeling that this was the first Marvel movie I was not going to enjoy. Um fortunately uh and we'll get into the his characterization stuff but uh Stephen Strange when he's not on the top of his game when he's the student when he's the person who's fighting these battles and he's the underdog he does have this kind of um yeah, I, I feel for him more. And he just, I did not like his cocky attitude or his, um, as Al said in the uh, the intro, kind of like his a-hole-ness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, but uh, once he became a student, and once we got into the fantasy aspects, and Al knows my uh, my favorite trope is time travel, and so once they brought time loops into it, I did warm up to this. It's not one of my favorite movies, but uh, I enjoy it, and I'm glad to rewatch it because I've liked uh, Strange a lot more in Endgame and Infinity War than in this movie. I definitely agree with that too. I think um, seeing his character, even in the in the small bit in Ragnarok that he's in, and then in mm-hmm. Infinity War and Endgame, gave me more of an appreciation for the character. That then, upon rewatching this movie, I take that sense of positive feeling I have toward him back to this one. Uh, are you guys ready to go into our fast facts? Sounds good. Oh yeah. I got his sling ring. I mean, they can't escape, right? Run! On your left. Uh huh. On my left. Got it. You didn't see that coming. Um, we'll start. Al, you usually have the shortest list. So, what facts do you, do you want to bring to the table? All right. So this is a list of twenty oh, minus geez. five minus another okay. fifteen. Oh great! Oh, so you have nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I just couldn't really find anything. I, I feel like I just didn't try as hard this time. I don't know why, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, nothing just popped out. All right. Um, how about you, TK? I don't want to take over everything. So <laughs> did you have any um, Easter eggs or behind the scene connections? Um, so I was thinking about that and I was really curious about the scene in which Steven is driving in the car and he, um, he he's looking at potential cases that he might want to take on and the 35-year-old Air Force colonel. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if that was a reference to someone from one of the Iron Man movies who per- perhaps got injured um, from one of the Iron Man suits. So I tried to kind of look that up and see if that, that was um, something that the people behind the scenes had uh, comments on, but I, I mm-hmm. mostly just got a bunch of different kind of fan interpretations. So I wasn't sure if you guys had any insight into that. No, I, I looked into it as well. I, I have arguments against both the main theories is Rhodey or the guy who got twisted in half in Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. Um, this comes from, I was going to bring up, uh, I don't think it's Rhodey because I think Tony is taking care of him as we see at the end of Civil War. But I think this might stem from a problem I have with this movie is I feel like the timeline is too short. Right. Yeah, we see in the opening that the movie takes, um, like on his awards as he's getting dressed right before the accident, his awards prominently say 2016, where this movie supposedly takes place in within the year of 2016, from the accident to his recovery to draining all his money and then his entire training as a sorcerer. I think if they didn't have that one insert shot, we could have backtracked and said this was 2000. 10 or 2011 and he was um looking at the guy who broke his back in iron man 2 Mm. yeah so so that's kind of like what i was thinking at first like oh this movie like the very beginning was a while ago and then he was just training for like five years um Mm -hmm. but and and i completely missed the the spot with the awards that you had mentioned um but like i kind of started looking up the same thing and then just went on this complete tangent and didn't write down any notes for for that part <laughs> but um you know one of the things about the 
the uh, one of the writers said that the film does begin in 2016. So it's like another confirmation about that that year. Um, but it's a little weird because they kind of. Um, it feels like they kind of hide timing wise for this movie, um, because at, at one point, um, if you remember the scene where, um, you know, the, those guys were trying to rob him, they want to take his watch. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, Mordo steps in and, and saves him. Um, his his watch is broken, and we actually at least get some like uh, close up on the watch to see the the day and the, the time of the year at least. Um, and so it's it's broken on some Wednesday in January of a year. It it actually like that crack is over the like we see two zero one, and we don't know what that last number is. So it's probably twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, however, January. I mean, if he broke his hands <laughs> January 1st, um, like now we're saying that he lost all of his money within you know a month. And I'm pretty sure he had health insurance, so I can't imagine like some other reason why he lost all of his money immediately. Yeah, I mean, he's doing a little more than his health insurance would cover with all his <laughs> experimental surgeries. That part's true, yeah. That's yeah, a really so cool I'm- observation. I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, along with the other potential patients, they mentioned three people, but one worth mentioning is uh, there was a schizophrenic woman struck by lightning. Um, it was rumored at the time that that was going to be Carol Danvers, which is why she couldn't remember her past. Mm. It's something that was scrapped, and I've looked, like, are there any villains, any heroes? It, they, another thing is it could be uh, Typhoid Mary, who's another schizophrenic um person from uh she was a uh a soldier in the army who was schizophrenic and kind of broke with reality you know in the comic book ways um especially back in the 70s not completely realistic with um personality disorders but being struck by lightning doesn't line up with that background either so it might just be a throwaway or we're going to see that with someone in the future mm-hmm. cool yeah and also, like, fun spoiler alert, that character does show up in something else in the future. Not in any of the movies, but a, a one of the TV shows. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. And it does not line up with her story in this, <laughs> so it's not her. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple other fast facts. Uh, Stephen Strange and the Ancient One and Wong, but he's not in this section, all premiered in Strange Tales number 110 in July of 1963. Um. Christine Palmer uh, premiered in Night Nurse, uh, number one, in November of 1972. Um, she's also prominent in uh, The Oath, which was is my favorite Doctor Strange story, uh, written by Brian K. Vaughn, who's one of my favorite uh, comic book uh, creators, mm-hmm. um, back in 2007. And then uh, the one I really want to talk to you about was, is Baron Mordo, Strange Tales number 111 in August of 1963. Uh, I always look up the little facts if there's anything interesting. Um, he was on the team The Offenders back <laughs> in the day. <laughs> um, do you guys know about the original Defenders in the comics? No. I don't think so. Um, the original Defenders was the strangest team lineup I've seen just because of I don't know how they work together. I want to go back and read these. Is Doctor Strange, Hulk, Namor, and the Silver Surfer were a team back in the 70s. Wow. Yeah. And just thinking of Strange and Hulk and then 
I, I'm not super familiar with uh, Silver Surfer uh, comics, but um, and Namor, I just I just can't imagine them working together, at least in their comics as I know them today. So I'm excited <laughs> to look into that. <laughs> well, that kind of makes me wonder, like, who they fought? Because you've got the Sorcerer Supreme, a mm-hmm. Herald of Galactus, yep, the Hulk, who can apparently destroy entire worlds if he gets angry enough. And then I, I really don't know anything about it anymore. Um, um, you know, those other three, like, they, <laughs> they're some heavy hitters. And I assume Namor is too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm... Yeah, Namor's not one I'm super familiar with. He's he's a mutant. He's pretty much Aquaman, but he fought with Cap in uh, World War II. So, anyway, we're getting off on a tangent. That's... <laughs> <laughs> But that's like 75% of what the show is. But let's uh, move on to our hero. Only one hero. (laughs) Oh, wait. Actually, Tony, one last fast fact. I I just kind of have a question for you. I don't know if you like skipped over this or not. Um, So, and you might actually be doing this for part three. I just wasn't sure if I should bring it up now or not. Uh, Normally with the TV shows, you also bring up why the episode is named that. Are you going to say why this movie (laughs) is named this this way um yes because there is a doctor in this um christine palmer and she knows this very unusual other guy who got in an accident so <laughs> that's why it's called dr strange i heard the working title was mr doctor but <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's strange but who am i to judge all right <laughs> all right so um moving on to the heroes it is one thing to question the official story and another thing entirely to make wild accusations or insinuate that I'm uh, a superhero. I never said you were a superhero. Didn't? Mm -mm. Well, good, because that would be outlandish and uh, fantastic. While heroes like the Avengers protect the world from physical dangers, we sorcerers safeguard it against more mystical threats. I saw you. You're a hero. Like, a for real superhero, which is, I'm not, like, a groupy stalker type. But... Um, I feel weird, because there isn't really a hero. Steven isn't a hero yet at this point in the movie. Uh, what about but... the Ancient One? I also put, I lumped her in with the heroes. Or, or is she, like, supporting character at this stage of the movie? I mean, I, I, I consider the same thing. What, what would you say, TK? So, in my notes, I coded the anointed one as being part of the supporting team. But I think that you guys are right that in this first segment of the movie, we don't really have the hero in the traditional sense yet. I mean, we have our protagonist if we want to Mm -hmm. uh, use that as a rough synonym for hero. So I was kind of thinking of strange as the hero here and the others as the supporting. Yeah. That's where I had put them as well. Um, yeah, so we'll talk about Steven, and then we'll move into the Ancient One and the rest. Because, like, we could argue Mordo's a hero. I, I think he's going to get too messy. So let's just <laughs> focus on Steven right now. Uh, where do you guys want to begin? Uh, you know, so I'll go with the basically that first scene that we see him in. Um, mm-hmm. So this is when, you know, he was finishing up a surgery or something. He's kind of showing off, saying that he remembers all this this music and everything. Uh, and then so Dr. Palmer kind of walks in or tries to get his attention and says, hey, there's something wrong with this guy. I'm not too sure. And then they kind of work together really quickly and figure it out. Um, you know, so one of the things that we see like very quickly is 
like how how smart Doctor Strange is because you know he looks at something, gets that information, then figures it out. But mm-hmm. then we also see how much of an ass he is to that other doctor <laughs> who he made that guy look like an idiot. But like that guy was actually really nice. He like he accepted the fact that he was wrong very quickly. He was like, oh okay, whoops, thanks for for the help. Can I help you with the surgery? No. And Strange was just like an mm-hmm. arrogant ass to him uh, the rest of the time, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just, like I said, it colors my perception of the movie. These opening scenes really color my perception of this entire movie. And it's still hard to watch because even the most uh, a uh, heroes, Tony Stark, is very likable when we see him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That goes back to, you know, thinking about the first time I saw the movie, that that's part of what I wasn't able to get past uh at first and 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 wasn't fully able to appreciate because i was just like oh he's he's a worse tony stark Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but you know upon upon revisiting it now i mean yeah that example that you were talking about really sticks out in terms of his uh his arrogance um as well as the way that he speaks to christine and and kind of immediately assumes that she must be having an affair with the other doctor right like if he's just talking down to her and talking down about him and uh, but look, going back to the movie now, after knowing what we know about his journey, I I am kind of struck by how the first thing we do see are his hands when mm-hmm. we when we see him on screen and they're washing and there's this sense of almost like he's putting on a costume in a way, right? He's like putting on the scrubs and the mask and the gloves. And so I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition to some of the scenes we get later when he is, um, you know, other images we get of his hands, of course, and then other images that we get of him kind of like stepping into these new roles and, and specifically based on what he's wearing and what his facial hair looks like and things like that. So it's cool to revisit. Yeah. I mean, um, this, he makes his living on his mind and his hands and this whole thing is mm-hmm. what do you do when one of your major tools is taken away? Mm-hmm. He, um, also with his, his character comparing him to the other heroes in the movies, it takes the longest time for him to become a hero um, or to get to him to care about other people. Because even like Tony Stark, he had the traumatic experiences, but like in the runtime of the movie, it's 15 minutes before he decides that these weapons aren't, shouldn't be out there or he should stop selling weapons. Um, Steve is Steve. We can't compare him to anybody because he's perfect. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he's my favorite. Um, but yeah, uh, Thor. Well, maybe, maybe not. I'm, I'm as I'm talking this out. I'm arguing with myself. Um, like Thor sees himself as already a hero. Um, in the first movie, but the first movie is hard because it's so disconnected from where we see him now. Right. But he's still a. He's still a heroic person, but um, I'm probably going to edit this a lot. I'm losing my train of thought. Let's just move (laughs) on, guys. (laughs) He he is very entitled, right? Like he's he's not worthy. Um, But as far as like doing heroic things, he does do heroic things for other people. But at the same time, he also wants the glory. Like that is his doing surgery he never he he mm-hmm. does have that taken away 
in the same vein as uh, Doctor Strange here. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the thing that really gets me with Strange is how his discussion with Christine right after he helps the um, take remove the bullet is he prefers the fame to helping the average person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just so against what I personally value is my problems with him in this movie. Yeah. It's harsh. It's very harsh. Yeah. yeah exactly. And then you actually, we, we get another scene um, with him kind of reiterating that um, in the scene where he's uh, in his car, like just before his accident. And when he's talking on the phone, um, the, the other person who's like listing off different, um, different, you know, potential people for him to do surgery on. Um, he passes on one person because he just says like, Oh, you want to ruin my perfect record. So it is very much a vanity metric for him. Mean. True. Yeah. Straight up mean. Mm-hmm. Definitely not the um, part of the oath to save lives. I guess there's a, I, I guess he's, he's really in that gray area. Um, working it for him is probably like how other people are probably around him or interpreting, interpreting that. I don't know why that's a word I can't say sometimes. Interpreting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, should we talk about his? Uh, I don't want to say comeuppance because it's pretty extreme, <laughs> but <laughs> but the crash. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah that was rougher than I remember seeing it. <laughs> yeah, that that you actually see the hands being crushed as the car flips over is that's a rough image. And then, of course, when he yeah. looks down at his hands when he's in the hospital bed and he sees all of the pins and everything, that's it's brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just this is the most visceral car crash I've seen in movies or TV, at least to my memory. Of, I mean, he was driving rec- recklessly and he paid for it. Also, I feel like this is part of um, Marvel's uh, at this moment in time their warning against dangerous driving because uh al and i covered ghost rider was in um agents of shield a few weeks ago you know driving recklessly and he got in a car accident and that's when he was dying that's how robbie reyes got offered the soul uh the uh, spirit of vengeance so i think this is part of marvel's uh move to get against reckless driving (laughs) They should have had a Steve Rogers PSA on it. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) So wait, okay. So are you saying that you think someday in the future, instead of the joke being, how did you get your powers? Oh, radiation of some kind. You're going to say that the standard thing will be, oh, how did you get your powers? I was in a car accident. I assume this is 30 years in the future when um, people can't drive their cars anymore and they're all automated. (laughs) <laughs> i mean it, it's i'm not saying it's unlikely uh, <laughs> okay i would i would say it's unlikely oh okay but, all right well. but I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> you on that, Tony. <laughs> well you know what dude in 30 years when we get to like end game maybe we'll recover this uh this uh, discussion <laughs> okay that sounds good uh, oh, all right. So back to the the car accident. I have a question about the physics of that. Yes, um, I did not look up if that would actually be possible. 
Do either of you think that like the way he crashed and spun out that way would have actually been that bad as severe? I mean, yes, falling I'm... down the side of a mountain, uh, that part looks bad. But the rest of it, like the amount of tumbles and all that? Yeah, I, I had doubts on whether the hands being crushed would actually mm -hmm. be the thing that would be the most severe injury, right? Like, I think that that obviously fits really nicely um, in his, uh, the sense of his karma in the movie and the journey that he needs to go on to become the hero, Dr. Strange. But uh, I, I did question that as I was, as I was watching it this most recent time. So I think that's an interesting question. Yeah. I, I feel like, the violence of it is probably it's likely. I feel like the speed he was going, the roads he was on, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think the dashboard eating his hands would have happened that way and being that the most severe damage to him. Okay, so so maybe it's possible just to explain it away from a storyline perspective. Maybe there was some other force that made that happen, like someone who was ancient. Um, mm. and could see the future. It was like, hmm, we're, we're going to need this person. Yes, but Al, how many of them are there? I, I, don't, I don't know. Probably one? Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Some ancient one. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I, I mean, I'm making that up right now. Uh, but, but uh, you know, that actually could be a thing. Like, you know, this is one of those things where, like, um, you know, sometimes what they explain in movies or TV shows is not at all like a possibility, like, you know, like the physics of how that car crashed or something like that, you know, you can always just explain it some way in the future. And that could be an interesting storyline Him being well, very angry at her or something. I mean, it's true. Anything with magic and time travel, then you can fix any problem. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's true. Ugh. I mean, you can deal <laughs> with just the magic. You don't need the time travel. <laughs> Al has real problems with the time travel. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Okay, we'll get to that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We've already had enough <laughs> arguments on the show. <laughs> uh, although, just a little bit of a, a spoiler, I actually do enjoy the time travel in this movie. Like, I, I think it was done okay. really well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, in a couple weeks. Yeah. So... With Doctor Strange, like when he's trying to get better, I mean, we, we've already completely touched on, you know, everything for his hands. It, that's his own vanity, right? Because I, I forgot who it was. Normally, I just say Tony said this, but now I, I have to pay attention more. Um, <laughs> but, um, it, you know, he he doesn't have to fix just his hands. Like, um, as far as, you know, when he was giving talks and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm sure a lot of that was research and like writings that he did, you know, in, in medical journals and publications of some sort. Um, and I kind of assume that that's where a lot of his money came from, from doing that kind of stuff. Um, so he doesn't have like if he didn't spend all that time just trying to fix his hands, he could still lead an incredibly comfortable life, probably just as successful now. He just doesn't get the glory of saving an individual person's life, like being in the room for that. Yeah, I, I thought of that too, that he could have made a decision to channel his intellect, his experience into, especially being a teacher, into something like a teaching type of job, right? Or as you said, speaking engagements and things like that. Um, and I think that his decision not to, the fact that he is so one-track minded in terms of tying his identity to his hands, 
is uh, speaks a lot to where he's at at this point in in the movie. Mm-hmm. And also, we'll get into this in a couple of weeks, uh, probably in depth. But um, the ancient one telling him later upon her death that it's not about him, it's not about you. Uh, right now, it is all about him. Him getting the fame, him getting the credit, him having that perfect streak that he's so proud of. He doesn't even entertain the idea that there's another way to live. Yeah, um, and, and actually, even at one point, Dr. Palmer like says that to him, and he just, uh, I forget what he responds with, but uh, like there is someone even trying to tell him, no, nah, it's okay. And then he just completely pushes her away. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, when, when he starts to say, life without my work, and, and she interrupts him and say, is still life, right? There are other things mm-hmm. that can give your life meaning, but I'm sure we'll talk more about her in a little bit. But yeah, I, I noted that too, that he's he's so unwilling to entertain other options. Mm-hmm. Um, should we move on to the recovery? Or lack thereof, possibly. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. Honestly, like most of my notes are gone, so whichever order either if you want to go. <laughs> <in>. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, I don't no, I do understand. It shows his desperation, um, him seeking out Kamartage after the uh, the failed physical therapy and all that, because he's uh, a tangible person. He likes to see the facts. He likes to see the data. The fact that he's looking for what at this is described to him as like a mystic healer by Pangborn just shows his desperation. Which is strange because he doesn't seem to be a believer at all in a few moments after he meets the ancient one. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting uh, observation as well. That he's, yeah, as you said, it really does speak to his desperation. And and I kind of along those lines, I noted as well when he he's like really willing to try anything. He says, "All I need is possible." So that's that's uh, kind of interesting that somebody who, as you said, his experience and would have been so tied to. Uh, facts and graphs and numbers and things like that mm-hmm. is, is willing to at least he thinks he's willing to engage with um something of a more spiritual nature because he's at that at that point yeah i wonder if it uh, uh goes along with his arrogance because when he meets the ancient one he talks about bleeding edge technology and the um the cellular regeneration he believes she is truly speaking about does she think, does uh, he think, does Strange think that Pangborn just doesn't understand the treatment that he received? Because Strange mm. thinks it's so highly of himself, thinking, oh, I'm going to understand this where this common person doesn't. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, Pangborn basically said it was magic, right? And he didn't understand it, so it must have been magic. But Strange can understand the science, so maybe to him, yeah, it's, it's just any of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> also, I mean, it, he did end up, you know, looking for Kamartage kind of because he did have some proof, right? He got that file with, um, I keep forgetting the guy's name, and I, even though I just said it only because you said it, Tony. Um, Pangborn. Pangborn. Yeah, Pangborn. Pangborn. <laughs> Um, that guy, that guy who was so messed up that he couldn't walk. And then all of a sudden he was able to walk again. Like he, he actually did have some proof that it would help him in a sense. 
Yeah. Although, um, him looking at the file, then meeting the guy, there's no proof in that file, from my understanding, because the guy never came back to physical therapy. Uh, I mean, I guess that's true, but there was proof that oh, yeah. he was so messed up, and now he's playing basketball. That's true. Like, mm. And even the conversation between the two of them at the basketball court is really interesting. It kind of speaks to what we were talking about before in terms of them, uh, the writers that is really like hitting the nail on the head in terms of Dr. Strange's uh, sense of himself. Right. And he, when Pangborn tells him that when Pangborn visited his practice to get treated, he couldn't get past his assistant. And when he says, you are untreatable, Pangborn says, well, there's no glory for you in that, right? So I think that's really uh, important, too. That's true. Mm -hmm. Um, Thinking about this being in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there are companies like uh, Stark uh, Industries and Rand, um, Danny Rand's company. Why didn't he reach out for prosthetics or robotics? Was he was he worried? Do you think he might have been worried that the um the glory could have been hoisted upon Stark Tech or something like that, where it wasn't really his hands doing it? I mean, yeah, that that would make a lot of sense, right? It's it's not him doing the thing. Like everything would be, and Doctor uses robot hands to perform super cool new surgery, right? It'll always be Doctor Strange uses robot hands yeah yeah all right uh let's move on to his meeting his arrival and meeting at uh camartage mm-hmm. more um more his expansion of his mind really <laughs> um i am not a fan of 3d movies and i don't usually pay for like imax but i really regret not seeing this in imax because I think those his what I call Strange's journey would probably be completely mind blowing seeing it on that huge screen. <laughs> you're, totally, you're, you're talking about the acid trip the ancient one sends him on, right? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm talking about the, when they pour the tea. It was glorious. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> just you can almost smell the vapors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean those images are. You know, that, that's part of revisiting this movie now, what I do appreciate about it so much. Um, that's just incredible. Like, the the scene, the, the part of that scene with all of the little hands, and then he's looking at his hands, and the smaller hands are growing out of his fingers. I mean, mm-hmm. that's some pretty cool stuff. I, I yeah. like the transitions, but some of those things are just weird. Like, I, I don't understand <laughs> the hands part. I guess, I guess it's because it's his hands. Now that, okay, it took me this many times to realize why hands were there but then he like <laughs> flies into his eye and then okay you know what now that i think about all of that it actually does have uh reasons for it. you know what? never mind it just feels weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i'm curious because they show i mean they show the dark dimension which has huge implications in later in this movie they also show the um the quantum realm which is much more explored in the ant-man movies I'm wondering if all how many of these places he sees and universe he goes to, will we see things and do they have bigger implications for the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? 
That's a good point. Like, are, are some of these, like, they're planning on doing or planning on using these things? Or are you saying, like, maybe these are, like, a one-off line that they might actually use? Uh, I feel like, like they could potentially be using these things. I mean, we, at this point, we didn't see what was happening in, like, we couldn't predict what was going to happen in Endgame. No one could, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um. And the quantum realm was such a big part of that. We've got the multiverse of madness coming out of the next Doctor Strange movie. Um, and then whatever's going to happen in WandaVision. It's just, it's going to be, we're going to be seeing these other universes. I wonder if they're seeding stuff in. Because I, I don't know where the fourth uh, phase is going in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, that's true. It could all be other dimensions. <laughs> that's cool to think about yeah all right um let's see is there anything else i mean i think i hit most of my notes for strange how about you guys yeah i think you know the to me the line that she asks him when she says who are you in this vast multiverse mr strange i think to me that really gets at uh setting up where we're gonna go for the rest of this movie, right? Like that is the central question for him and for his journey as a character. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I like that. I like that line. Yeah, so do I. It uh, reminds me, if you guys ever read the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, there's a, one part where there's this punishment that they were going to put uh, Zaphod in. The If you ever read it, he's kind of... You know, he's very conceited, but he didn't earn it like Strange did. Um, there's this aspect where you put yourself, uh, this person in the box, and it shows you your place in the universe. And it's usually so insignificant that it completely destroys the person's mind. Mm. Well, in, in the story, they're in a like a simulation that was made for a Zaphod Beetle box, so the whole universe did literally revolve around him. <laughs> so he came out completely fine knowing yeah the universe does revolve around me <laughs> but it's just like that would be so ego shattering to most people i wonder how many people did experience this and just like leave knowing not leave not uh, wanting to learn more but just like the whole existence is pointless where Strange gets this and thinks he needs to understand this. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting because we even get that sense with Pangborn, right? That he, what does he say? He says he settled for his miracle and he came back home, right? Mm-hmm. That there were other things to explore there that he wasn't interested in or ready for um, or or however you want to, uh, you know, position it. But he he didn't want to take that next level. He It seems he wanted to be healed and then kind of stopped there. Whereas you kind of get this sense that Doctor Strange, things start to change for him at this point, that, you know, he's here because he wants to heal his hands. But then he, um, my, my, my friend Eddie, when we did an episode on Doctor Strange, he phrased it like this. He said uh, that in that moment, when he is uh, pushed out of his body by the, that, by the anointed one, he sees something he can't unsee. And I think that's really interesting, right? That like, he has this thirst for more knowledge now. And he's not mm-hmm. going to be able to turn his back on it. Yeah. And when you compare this to Tony, who um, 
when he saw a wider universe, he didn't see the multiverse, but when he went to space the first time in the first Avengers movie, his reaction was to kind of hunker down and put a shell around himself and then later around the world with yeah. um, Ultron. So I think Tony may be a weaker willed person or um, have a weaker ego than um, Strange does. That's really interesting to think about. Are we ready to move on to, as of right now, our one villain? <laughs> yeah, that sounds sure. good to me. <laughs> yeah. I ask you to what end? Dread it. Run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. It's funny, isn't it? How even the best of men can be deceived by their true nature. What the hell does that mean? That I am the ill intent. What about the people you killed? Tiny momentary specs within an indifferent universe. Um, I only have one note for Caecilius. Mm -hmm. So if you guys uh, have anything you want to go into before that. Ah, magic decapitation as a strong <laughs> way to start a movie. <laughs> it's, it's true. Um, I, I have, he does two evil things. He beheads a guy and then he dismembers a book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Caecilius. <laughs> yeah, there's not much to say about Caecilius. I think at all he's not the strongest villain, but also he doesn't make many appearances in this um in this episode or in this part of the movie. Yeah, he only shows up in what the very first scene. That's it. Um Yeah. And yeah. I don't remember if he says more like I remember he shouts um Hypocrite. Yeah, hypocrite at the ancient one. Does he say anything else, or is that his one line in the first third of the movie? <laughs> That's Great the only question. line that made any impact, obviously. <laughs> since uh, the three of us are sitting here thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, no, same here. That's the only line that I noted. But I, I did also note then that we don't see him again in, in this part, but mm -hmm. we do hear the anointed one and Mordo talk about him a little bit. And there's almost... Um, yeah. I think Mordo suggests something about how strange in a way reminds her of Caecilius. So they're, they're doing what they need to do in like the act one of a film to kind of like mm -hmm. remind us that he's here <laughs> yeah. and that he poses a threat and in a way might be a, a foil to our hero. I just got a comment TK that your love of Buffy is showing you <laughs> call the ancient one, the anointed one. <laughs> I I think I did it a couple times to be honest. <laughs> uh, I can't I can't not. <laughs> no, it's okay. We're both huge Buffy fans as well. So mm -hmm. yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that closes the book on Caecilius. No pun intended. <laughs> we all know you really did intend that that pun. No, this is the first pun I've ever <laughs> did that I didn't intend. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break uh, before moving on to our next section. Um, let's uh, read a, an ad from our sponsor. Welcome to Baskin Robbins. Would you like to try our mango fruit blast? And Jerry's named a flavor after me, so start graving hazelnuts. Not bad. For your consideration, the Jerry. Uh, so, Tony, um, you've talked in the past of having some kind of surgery. Now. 
I did not pay attention to what it was for, but on a scale of 1 to 10, how impossible would you rate the chance of success was supposed to be for that kind of operation? 1 being a little impossible and a 10 being super impossible. Uh, Probably a (laughs) 1. So what I'm hearing is it didn't matter at all if your operation was successful or a failure. Your life would have been unchanged. (laughs) For everyone else... (laughs) For everyone else who depends on, I don't know, let's say your hands for your livelihood, you have to use the best. And that's why we at the MCU Rewind Podcast trust the one, the only, Dr. Peculiar. Visionary, genius, American patriot. Even from an early age, she stole the spotlight with her brilliant and unique mind. At age four, she performed her first hand surgery. At age six, her first brain surgery. And at 17, she graduated summa cum laude from MIT. She knows what she's talking about. Her motto is, it's science we can understand. Unless you don't study it, then it's science you don't understand. Like magic, I guess. Now leave me alone and go read a book. I'll be over here doing science. Use promo code MCU Rewind to get the free upgrade to Golden Magic Painkillers. It's like morphine, but way less addictive. Unless you're addicted to power, in which case stick to the morphine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Al. That was great. And, and thank you, Dr. Peculiar. <laughs> All right. So, uh, supporting characters. Guy in the chair. And I talked to someone called the Ancient One. And oh, so you joined a cult. It's not a cult. Well, that's what a cultist would say. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not those three wombats. No way. I guess we've got a few that show up. Um, uh, do we want to start with the ancient one? Because we've already kind of talked about her a bit. I've already called her the wrong name like three <laughs> times. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. We knew exactly who you were talking about. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> and, and since you've listened to episodes of my podcast, you can tell that I do too. I can't yeah. not bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you. So the way that you bring up Buffy all the time, it's kind of the way that we bring up Star Wars all the time. It's same same concept. <laughs> yes, I have heard you guys bring up Star Wars. I like it uh, as a Star Wars fan. So, <laughs> oh, good. Because if you didn't say you liked it, we would have kicked you off the podcast right now. Okay. <laughs> that would have been it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, the Ancient One. Um, so. So when we Go first ahead. see her, um, she is just toying around with Strange, like just having fun, right? She, she's giving him the tea and then had the whole setup to make him think that that other guy was actually the Ancient One. Um, she tries to open his mind, sending him on that whole acid trip kind of journey. And then he says, teach me. And she said, nah, get out of here. <laughs> um, so that's probably like a like an actual like purposeful thing to like again convince him to open his mind but at the same time i think she's having fun doing it she knows he's an ass oh yeah i mean we know from endgame that she knows exactly who he is um that uh she knows where dr strange is that they're a few years too early when uh banner sees him so um he knows she already knows up till her death pretty much exactly what's going to happen and what he needs to motivate him. Yeah. Like, like maybe throwing his car off of the side of the road. <laughs> I was just thinking that too, because I, I know, I know you brought that up jokingly, but I, if there's any movie where I have room to believe 
that there's that almost kind of like spiritual presence, right? Or this like predetermined nature. It, it would be this movie that that would make sense. Hmm. Yeah, you're you're right. You're open, you're opening my eyes to <laughs> the vast possibilities. Um. Yeah. So yeah, she's doing this. He needs to be humbled. He needs to know that like. It sounds terrible, but he needs to know his place so he can grow beyond who he really is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing I just kind of wanted to bring up about her. Um, so when she's sending him on that trip, is is he physically going places? Be- because when he comes back, he like he falls and breaks that chair he was sitting on. So I assume he was actually being transported places. I don't think so. Hmm. Um, because first of all, we see um the astral projection, um, where he does come back in his body, but I feel like we see in part two how your ast- uh, your astral self can influence the real world or the material world, I should say. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'll get into that because the logic of that is not great, <laughs> but. Um, the fact that sometimes you can hit something in the uh, real world as your astral self proves that he could have broken that chair if his astral self hit his body that hard. Okay, that makes a lot of sense because it really confused me when he like sees Dormammu, and like, mm-hmm. why would he be sent there? So that, yeah. that, but if it's all astral projection, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, yeah. You also hear Mordo going his like his was it his heart rate is off the charts or way higher than normal or something like that. Which if <laughs> he was gone, it's hard to tell your heart rate if you're in another dimension. Ah, true. Okay. Yeah. So um Al and I or I'm not sure how familiar Al you are with the comic version of um the Ancient One or TK. Just the very uh, basics, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just a, a little bit aware of some of the the casting controversy mm-hmm. surrounding that, but that's about it. I haven't really read the comics. Yeah, I mean, in the comics he's the stereotypical wise old Asian master. Um here they went to try to sidestep it was they made it a Celtic woman. Um they say that she's from um thousand years old and she's Celtic and that's pretty much all they know about her. Which obviously I agree is whitewashing. Um and then Al and I covered and TK it's not out yet, but on the our Halloween special was the nineteen seventy eight TV movie of Doctor Strange. Ooh, cool. I'm looking forward to that. That sounds great. Yeah. Um where Doctor the Ancient One was the sun, I think. Like the actual the 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 star that our um, place our planet orbits around. Okay. <laughs> I I feel like none of these solutions are good solutions for the ancient one. Um, do you guys have any ideas of what would be a decent way to portray the ancient one in 2016 or 2020 if we were making this now? Because hmm. I feel like it's a it's a catch twenty two no matter what. It's like there's no good way to do this. It's it's a really interesting question that you pose, Tony, because I think people are really quick to have their personal reactions for or against a particular casting choice, and and mm-hmm. you know those those reasons um, are totally valid, right? That you know 
why people uh, feel the way they do about things like that. Um, but then when posed with the question of like, all right, so then what would you do? <laughs> it becomes harder to answer. Um, I, I will say for me, I, I do appreciate that something that we don't see in movies quite as often is having a older, wiser female mentor to a male hero. So I liked mm-hmm. that dynamic. I thought that was pretty cool. And I love Tilda Swinton. I think she's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I think where, um, and I believe Scott Derrickson even kind of uh, said, said as much. Uh, that he understood that there was some uh, pain uh, in, in the reactions of people who would have preferred to see an, an, an actor of, of Asian descent in that role. So, so maybe, you know, that's, that's what it is, is, uh, you know, could they have found somebody who was uh, that it, could they have avoided the whitewashing while still also avoiding the uh, potential negative stereotypes associated with older, wiser, old, excuse me, older, wiser Asian characters, right? So mm-hmm. it's definitely tricky. Yeah, just kind of adding to that, I also have absolutely no idea um, <laughs> who, who else, who, who would have been a good uh, casting choice for that kind of thing. Um, but since we're kind of on the subject a little bit right now, I remember uh, not too long before this movie came out, I was talking to a friend of mine who, um, and they were kind of talking, or it was a couple of friends of mine were having a conversation. I just kind of walked in uh, partway through and they were talking about like, oh, what are the different you know movies and TV shows that are coming out? And like, I think it was sparked a little bit by, you know, Tilda Swinton being cast for the ancient one. And, you know, they were saying, you know, it, it's not like the, uh, the, you know, race or any of that stuff matters for the character for Dr. Strange. That could literally be anyone. Um, and so some of the other ones, it, it kind of does start to matter. Uh, cause at the time, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Iron Fist wasn't out yet or coming out soon. I can't remember. Um, mm-hmm. and that like the storyline for that is very much, um, you know, white guy, that kind of thing. And, you know, some of the other characters, but, you know, Dr. Strange, I remember them saying like, yeah, this could have been the last one where they could have just said, yeah, whoever, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, which I could see disney doing now at least like if they were to start casting characters like that or people for some movies uh, i could see them doing that now because like over time they've done a lot more or they've strayed a lot more away from the raw material i i keep using the same example over and over of captain marvel where the scrolls are essentially uh, i mean i wouldn't say that they're they're good guy characters but we don't see any evil scrolls right um right which in the comics is very different. Um, and so like, like, so now I kind of can see like them just doing that also with just other characters too, um, who are in the comics, you know, white men and, you know, Hey, why not some literally anyone else uh, for that kind of character now in the, in the future. So I don't know they haven't cast uh, moon Knight yet. We'll see what happens there. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, the, the thing is that uh, just in general, so many characters are white that you need to have that representation for the few legacy characters that were people of other ethnicities. Where And also, I, I personally don't have any problem with race swapping to a um, character that is of a different ethnicity than white because they need 
we need to uh, like lift up those voices more than any other voices. We've had the same type of voices. I mean, for the first 10 or nine years of the MCU before we got a first black superhero or first female leading superhero. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, how many actors named Chris uh, are <laughs> star in, in MCU movies? It's true. It's true. Um, yeah. I think the real test is going to be when um, the Shang-Chi movie comes out. Can they use those old um, exploitation, uh, like Kung Fu movie tropes that from the seventies that he was based in and adapt them nowadays to be inoffensive, but still um, as high quality as the rest of the MCU, because we don't, it doesn't do a huge service to people if they get the representation in the first MCU bomb or, we still need to have those right. high quality characters. We still need to have those um, characters that everyone can relate to. For sure. I have high hopes for Shang-Chi. I, I really like Simu Lu, who's going to play the mm-hmm. title character. Um, and I, I have high hopes for it, but I, I think that you're, that you're right, that it becomes a real concern of people, um, particularly in underrepresented communities, right? Of, well, if this bombs, then is Hollywood ever going to take this chance again? You know, so there's so much riding on it, which is unfair uh, when you mm-hmm. think about it, right? Because The Incredible Hulk didn't do too well, but that didn't mean that we didn't get more, no. you know, movies in the MCU. So it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, it's hard. It's, it's hard for to yeah. feel like particular communities have that weight resting on on their shoulders. No, it, it, exactly. I mean, you think of the DC side, the previous uh, black superheroes before. Black Panther was Catwoman and Shaq as Steel. Shaquille O'Neal mm-hmm. as Steel. And those both, I mean, they were bad movies. So um, they didn't give them... But the studios took the wrong um, wrong lessons from them. They didn't take that if we don't put time in the script, it's going to be right. a poor movie. They took, if we put a black lead, it's going to be a, a failure of a movie, which is the wrong lesson. But Hollywood always seems to take the wrong lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Christine Palmer. <laughs> Let's just change subjects. <laughs> I like that she's promoted from night nurse to full doctor in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think her, at least in this part, her character is so one note. It's she's just a kind-hearted friend who thinks the jerk could be a better person, and I'm. I feel like I've seen that trope way too many times. I wish I liked her more than I actually do. I, I think mm-hmm. I like her more in theory. I, I like Rachel McAdams. I think she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, excited to see her in the MCU. Kind of wish that she had a little bit more to work with in the role. Um, I definitely feel like, you know, she, the, the scenes that she's in, you know, she can hold her own with Stephen Strange. They have a, a banter. They have a give and take. I appreciate that she is not written as somebody who is just uh, so madly in love with him, right. That she'll do anything for him and she's going to pine for him while he's gone. Like a, like a Jane Foster was right. But, um, but that being said, I I don't get, I I don't feel too connected with her for the reasons that you're saying, Tony. Yeah, I I kind of agree. Like I, I would have liked to see more of her in the movie, but like, I, I kind of worry that if we got like, I don't know, five more scenes with her in it, um, it would have become the the trope of 
love interest character and then they end up together at the end of the movie kind of thing and i kind of feel like when given those two options what we got in this movie is probably the better of the two yeah i, would I agree, agree. Yeah, I would. I'll be very surprised if I see her in the next Doctor Strange. Um, it seems like they have a pattern: is if they don't end up together at the end of the movie, you never see them again. Uh, we ran into that with Liv Tyler's character, which mm. we are getting. Um, we have Thunderbolt Ross back, so we don't have the excuse of they didn't bring anything back from the um, Incredible Hulk. And also, um, with um, oh, I lost my train of thought. There was another uh. One who he didn't um, reunite with, and we never saw again. I apologize for that. Um, but yeah, but I don't see her coming back like a Peggy Carter or Pepper Potts or even a um, Jane Foster. Yeah, and and because it wasn't like there was a, a hint of them having a, a romantic past, um, or you know, some type of of entanglement, we should say. But I, because I think it was more firmly in the supportive friend camp, as you were saying, I, I don't. Uh, you know, he can have other supportive friends in the future. So I, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm not sure we'll see her back. Maybe we'll get a mention of her name and, and hear what she's up to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'd be a little surprised to see her back. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, plus she's also like a big part of his past life. Like by the end of this movie, he's full in on, you know, magic stuff. He, he's not doing healing. He, he's not a, you know, a, a doctor or surgeon anymore as far as we can tell i guess well yeah true i i mean his hands are still shaking in infinity war oh i completely missed that oh yeah well we'll cover that (laughs) okay oh good i can't wait (laughs) (laughs) all right um are we going to move on to the final 12 percent of the plan stark tower is your baby give yourself 12 percent of credit 12%. 12%. An argument can be made for 15 12%? Well, I my baby? did do all the heavy lifting. Literally, oh. I lifted the heavy things. You know, I'm 12 minutes older than you. Go. What percentage? I don't know. 12%. 12%? <laughs> that is not a plan. It's barely a concept. You're taking their side? I am Groot. So what? It's better than 11%. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Any other random thoughts we didn't cover in this section? that you want to bring up uh you know one of the things that like rewatching this movie uh or at least the first time i saw it the like i did not realize how often they say multiverse in this <laughs> movie like it just uh-huh. keeps coming up and i really like that the way that they do it is different types of dimensions it's not like a bunch of alternate universes like alternate timelines which unfortunately now we are going to get because of what happens after uh, by the end of Endgame? So I'm not looking forward to any of that. But uh, <laughs> I do like that you know when they show them here, like yeah, here's Dormammu's world. Here's um, this other one with a bunch of green stuff. Um, later on in this movie, like in the second part, um, you know the ancient one has a line about yeah, when you learn about you know infinite you know universes, you learn about all the threats that they pose, and that, that's nice. So it, I, I like that so far. At least the introduction to you know, multiple universes are things not at all like what we have right here. Yeah, it makes sense that Doctor Strange is the multiverse guy. It's bugging me, as much as I love Into the Spider-Verse, that they're trying to make Spider-Man the multiverse guy, it makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> From, like, the, the comics character, or...? Well, yeah, I mean, um, in... 
Okay, well, I'm going into rumors and possible spoilers, but like the mm-hmm. um rumors that they're bringing in Electro, Jamie Foxx's Electro from us, the Amazing Spider-Man, as the villain for Spider-Man Three. Mm-hmm. And then the rumors, and that opened a whole can of worms. Is Dan, is Andrew Garfield back? Is Tobey Maguire back? Which I think are more rumors and hopeful thinking than anything else. But that, along with Into the Spider-Verse, where he's the one who has the multiple versions of himself, I find it so weird that Spider-Man is the multiverse guy for a lot of people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that was a... a I don't, I don't actually know if that was ever a famous comic, um, but yeah. the 90s Spider-Man TV show, oh. like it, it ended on that with multiverses. Multi, Did multiple it? Spider people. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember like the series finale. There were like, or like the last five episodes or something. That last storyline um, was essentially a bunch of different Spider-Man characters. Well, a bunch of different Peter Parkers. That's so interesting. I knew that there was the Into the Spider Verse in the comics. Um, the Spider Verse was a whole thing from like two thousand, not too long ago, two thousand sixteen or fifteen. Um, and I thought, hey, we'll just go with that. But I didn't know that the roots of that was much older yeah well i mean come on decades worth of storylines here everything's just just a redo at this point i mean we're two years away from having another civil war event in the comics i'm sure well we've already had civil war too yeah exactly that's how i know that there's going to be a fourth <laughs> all right uh that's that's all I'm... i have i don't know tk anything else uh for this part of the movie i I mean, I think the only other thing that I was thinking about is that I I do really appreciate how it opens and how in that opening scene, we get the hints of what is to come in terms of both Kaecilia's line about the ancient one, I'll get her name correct this time, um, when he calls her a hypocrite um, and like, what's that all about? And we're going to kind of dive into that. And um, also that we get to see the mirror dimension, even though we don't know what it is yet. So I, I kind of like how that lays the groundwork. And then uh, later on in the movie, we kind of get the payoff for, for those things and, and see how they make sense. So I enjoyed that. Yeah. And the only thing I wanted to add in this last 12% was actually the mirror dimension. I like how visually interesting it is, especially since the magic we've seen so far seems to be just punching with glowing things. So at least the magic <laughs> looks a little different in the mirror dimension. Magic with the kick, as Peter Parker yep. says. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we're ready to wrap it up. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, before we do that, uh, TK, if you want to tell our audience one more time, um, you know, your podcast and where they can find you online or anywhere else i'm assuming only the the internet is probably good (laughs) (laughs) yeah for now at least but uh (laughs) um yeah so if if, uh anyone is is interested in in checking out my show it's called there was an idea dot 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 a marvel cinematic universe podcast available wherever you find your podcasts and i'm also on twitter and instagram at an idea underscore podcast if anyone wants to say hello all right awesome And, TK, will you be able to join us next week for the second part of this movie? You bet. All right. So join all three of us next time as we cover part two of Doctor Strange. For if you're following along and for some reason watching these movies a third at a time, uh, (laughs) that will be from Steven's training, so about this moment, all the way to him leaving the hospital after his astral projection fight. 
As always, we're the Marvel Cinematic Rewind for Doctor Strange Part 1, signing off. Have a marvelous day. You're a shiny star, no matter who you are. Shiny bright to see, what you can truly be, what you can truly be.